Welcome to Socially Distant, Spiritually Close, a podcast dedicated to exploring the biggest spiritual questions of this complex and challenging moment. I'm your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. In a few moments, we'll have an opportunity to hear some of our Torah portion for this week, chanted Parshat Naso. Uh, But before we do, we have uh, uh, some very special guests with us, and I want to introduce them uh, to you in in just a moment. The Torah portion this week covers a a number of topics, Uh, but one of the things that uh, I I find really profound about it uh, is found in in chapter 5, verse 5. Before I uh, read this passage for you, I'm going to say a blessing for studying Torah. Baruch atah Adonai Elohim Melech HaOlam. So, uh, the book of Numbers, chapter 5, verse 5, says the following, God spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. When a man or a woman uh, does any of the transgressions against another person, breaking faith with God, and that person uh, bears their guilt. Now, that's a kind of confusing passage. When Cantor and I studied it this week, we kind of broke our teeth on it for a bit because um, it seems to be saying a, a couple of things there. It's, it's talking about a, an interpersonal transgression, um, and it's talking about breaking faith with God. What is it really talking about? And the answer, I think, is that uh, what this portion is, what this verse is teaching us is that our um, interpersonal transgressions, the wrongs that we do to one another, um, are not just uh, injuries or insults that we give to other people, but they are uh, in themselves acts of breaking faith with God. In other words, God cares about how we treat each other. And it is you know, this idea that there are mitzvot ben adam lechavero and ben adam lemakom, the commandments that are between uh, each of us and commandments that are be, uh, impact our relationship with God. It turns out, according to this verse, that the commandments ben adam lechavero are also commandments ben adam lemakom. Right, the, the commandments that govern our relationships with each other are also governing our relationships with God. That God is impacted by how we treat or how we mistreat one another. That is a, a profound responsibility that is in all our hands uh, about how we relate to one another, how we treat one another, um, how we injure one another, and how we reconcile with one another. That is a, a profound teaching, a powerful teaching for this particular moment that we find ourselves in, uh, in, in our country, grappling uh, with uh, racial injustice uh, and, uh, and the uh, uh, ongoing uh, pernicious impacts of, uh, of racism um, and systemic racism. Uh, and it, of course, uh, relates to uh, so much in our world right now, how we engage with each other uh, uh, through uh, the course of this pandemic um, and how we hold each other and how we uh, support and, and care for each other's well-being during this pandemic. And it, of course, extends beyond it uh, to the realm of uh, uh, international relations um, and how countries re- react to and, and relate to one another, um, which is one of the reasons that I find uh, our guests this Shabbat um, so inspiring. Some of you were with me um, on uh, our trip to Israel a couple of years ago. And one of the most extraordinary places that we visited was in the northern part of Israel, uh, a, uh, a, a kibbutz known as uh, Givat Haviva. And uh, Givat Haviva is dedicated to, um, to, to work of reconciliation between um, uh, Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs um, and, with, uh, and between Israelis and Palestinians. Uh, and uh, over the past couple of years, uh, Givat Haviva has started an extraordinary international school uh, that takes that draws its population both from within Israel, um, Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs, uh, Israelis and Palestinians, but also uh, draws students from 
across the globe and in particular in regions of conflict to bring them into an international baccalaureate program in Israel that will focus on leadership development and conflict resolution. It's a really, really extraordinary thing. I'm going to turn uh, things over to uh, Nurit Gary from the Givat Haviva International School. So you can tell us a little bit more about the school and introduce um, some of the wonderful students from the school who have uh, given so graciously of their time to be with us this morning. Thank you very much. And it's an honor to be here. And thank you, Rabbi. And thank you, Kenter Dara. And thank you to all of you who are already supporting GHIS. I see some friends here with us, and it's great to see you all again. Um, and actually, when we met at Rabbi Michael's house, it was um, when we just started the school, and I told you it was almost a dream. It was hardly opening. I told you about some students that are joining the school. And I'm really excited today because you will be able to hear from them about who they are and their experiences in the school. And um, I think that will be more exciting than anything I can tell you about. Um, I will introduce Mira and Mohammed, who are now with us. And in a minute, they will uh, introduce themselves. They are both 11th grade students. And um, later on, in a few minutes, Christina will join us. And Christina actually is a graduate that graduated from DHIS uh, two weeks ago. So she's a real new graduate from our first cohort of students. But, um, and you will get different stories because they come from different countries and they have their uh, different personal stories, but also they represent, in a way, different parts of GHIS because they are from three different religions and they are from three different countries. And, you know, we have 108 students and I'm really happy to introduce them. And uh, if you have more time, we have 105 more students to introduce. <laughs> so, Mira, let's start with you. Can you tell us where you're from and Mohammed will then say where you're, you are from, and then both of you, how come you came to the school, and shortly about your, uh, how come you chose to come here. Mira. Okay, so hi, I'm Mira. I'm 16 years old, and I'm from Bethesda, Maryland, which is like a suburb of Washington, D.C. I live right outside of D.C. Um, and yeah, I'm in 11th grade. Yeah, Mohammed. Um, hi all, um, I'm Mohammed. I'm 17 years old, I'm from East Jerusalem, and um, just, like coming to the school was something was not planned before, and um, that's me, I, I, I'm from um, an Arab Muslim um, family, and um, yeah, that's me. Mira, of all the schools around the globe and in the United States, how come did you come to this one school? Okay, so my, sto my like, story of coming to the school is really tied with like, my Jewish roots, I guess you could say. Um, so I grew up in a synagogue, like I was a synagogue kid. And, and I got really involved in like Jewish summer camp from that. So I ended up going to Camp Havayal, which is in Pennsylvania in the Poconos. And I went there for nine summers, nine years. And in my, my, la my latest summer, I was going into 11th grade. It was this past summer. And as part of like the camp experience, you take your trip to Israel. So that's what I did this past summer. And I'd never been to Israel before. I had only, the only country I'd ever been to that wasn't the US was Canada. <laughs> Um, so it was a bit, it was like a big thing for me. And uh, so I came to Israel and the only thing I ever really heard about Israel was that it was like the home of the Jews. And like, granted, I'm not like, you know, like I'm a kid. Um, so like, I didn't, I wasn't super exposed to like what actually was happening there. But also like, if you know me, like I'm very 
involved in politics and I like to keep myself informed and I kind of pride myself on being informed. And, and I really thought I like understood Israel, um, which was my first mistake. And, and basically I got there and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And we like went to, like we were in Jerusalem and we were in Tel Aviv and doing all like the touristy things. And then we went to like, you know, Elad and whatever. And then, which was like fun and whatever. And they were like, yes, Israel, yes, we love it here. And then we went to uh, Giva and we learned about like, Arab experience of Israel, I guess you could say. And I was just kind of floored because I, like, I had absolutely no, like, that just, like, hit me out of nowhere. Like, I didn't know that was even a thing that was happening in Israel. Like, I didn't know anything about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I didn't really know anything about history. When I heard about, like, 1948, I was like, okay, like Israeli independence, not Palestinian Nakba. Like that was just never part of my story. And, and that's kind of shameful <laughs> um, because that like, that narrative is so tied, is just as tied to that place as the Israeli one is, and as the Jewish Israeli one is. And um, so, yeah, I was just really floored. And I will say, because this is kind of relevant to what's going on in the U.S. right now, a lot of what, basically, when I was in Kibat Khaliva, we had a panel of Arab-Israeli women talking about what it's like to be Arab and Israel and Muslim and Israel and things like that. And what they were describing to me was really reminiscent of what I guess you could consider the Black experience in America. And, like, I had no idea, like, I just didn't, obviously the situations are not identical, but there are a lot of similarities. I saw like, like really like basically like redlining, um, just just a lot of things that I like were mirrored and things that I was really critical of in my own country. That how could I like not see that in another country that I considered close to me? Um, so yeah, and that so that whole moment was just a really big moment for me, and. And then Yuri came and talked about the school <laughs> to, to my group that I was with. And as she said, the school is an IB school, International Baccalaureate. And I had done the like a pre-International Baccalaureate program. So I was kind of familiar with the curriculum. And I just knew it was something that I had to do. Like I knew I was going to regret it for the rest of my life if I didn't even try and find out more. Um, so I just had this gut feeling. And also I was still in Israel, like, like, like I had, this was in like July, right? Or August. So I was still planning to go to my regular high school. And basically like after we left Givat Chaviva that day, I just like had all my friends doing research for me on our tour bus. <laughs> and I ended up calling the school like two days later. I don't think I had talked to my parents yet, <laughs> but I was just saying like, I need to find out more about this place. And I did. And then I go to school there. <laughs> Great. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mira and Muhammad. Uh, now, shortly, about I want us to have time to talk about the school a little bit. So how, how come did you come here? And then we'll... Um, first, I would say that my story is totally different than Mira, which is something <laughs> that's with all of us. Um, um, I applied to the school by August. And it was like two weeks before the school started. And that process happened after that. So basically, I, I come, as I said, from an Arab community. And I live in a, in a neighborhood in East Jerusalem called Esoia. And I have been going to like um, public school there for my whole life. And last summer was my me just graduating from 11th grade and going to the last year of high school, 12th grade which basically should happen in my regular school in my town. Um, and because I also was studying the Palestinian education system, which something um, was a bit challenging for my whole uh, learning experience in my life. Um, so then uh, I, I had to move to another school and find another school. 
and for just one year to graduate 12th uh, grade, which is something is not really possible, like especially in my in my case, like in Jerusalem. So um, I, I I had me and other friends, we were like uh, looking for um, schools in Jerusalem, just in Jerusalem that do only Palestinians education system. And that's it. Because I never, I never thought or like had an idea about boarding schools, international schools, or even studying in an English speaking school. Besides all like, nothing i didn't even had an idea of looking for schools online only on facebook for like arab schools in jerusalem and that's it um so it was a bit challenging because i had to do that over the summer and if not so then i won't graduate high school um then um i applied to um i had an i had an opportunity to apply to a really uh like a good school that does the Palestinian education system in Jerusalem, me and my other friends, but we need to do an entrance uh, test with physics and math. Um, and because we knew that our school was not that, had the strengths in these uh, topics, so we had, we said, okay, this is our last chance or like our future will be ruined. So we decided to take uh, private lessons over the summer for physics and math, which is something like really crazy because we need to cover two years of physics and math because in my school we didn't learn math, but because we didn't have teacher, um, and then we started going to the private lessons. But two weeks later, we just we knew that it's not. We don't feel that it's gonna happen. It's gonna help us. We felt like I don't know lost or something. Then we stopped going to the to the private lessons for physics and math. And then that like two days was over the weekend. I <laughs> a Facebook ad just popped up on my Facebook. I don't know how, like, I really don't know how, like, as I told her, I didn't even look for schools. Um, then, okay, I saw the the concept and everything on the ad and I was like, yeah, just curious because I'm, you know, I'm always curious. So I just clicked on that and then I saw like the concept that the school is like build about like leadership and all these things. And to be honest, like, the first thought was like, oh, it's really good school, but I didn't thought about just, you know, being a student there in that school. Um, then uh, I think <laughs> one hour later, I had, I would say the most um, courage time in my life that I said, oh, I want to go to the website and see what's there. And then I saw there and I saw that the time that I visited the website was time the school was, um, you know, waiting for applications for students. And, and then I was like, Oh wait, <laughs> I can apply now. And then um, I saw the applications and everything. And I didn't do research about the school. I just went to the website, read what the school is about, and then I went to the application process. And then I was kind of confused. I thought maybe it's a spam or something because there were like fees for the applications, and and maybe just something you know as on the internet spam or anything. Because it was really something fascinating for me. Um, then then I just went to the process, I think, as I said, was really courage um, decision. Um, and then I went through the process of the application and it was something was I'm doing behind my family. Like my family doesn't know anything about that. I'm applying to a school, that's an international school with Arab Jews, internationals and all of, you know, all of the school is about. Um, then one week or two weeks later, I had to do my last interview with the school. Uh, and then I, come, I came to the school and I, 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 I got the message that I got accepted for the school, which that was the most crazy moment in my life. And then I knew that by that time that I need to start telling my family. And because I live with my grandparents' house, so it was a bit challenging to tell them. And um, one week after I told them that, I, I had to be in the school. And I, yeah. Great. That's um, I, want, I want to have time to talk about the school itself and about your experiences. Um, and I know we don't have a lot of time and I want Christina to have time. So let's go directly into it. So um, Mira, will you shortly tell us about your room? I think that will be very interesting. Yes. So... In my room, so I'm home now because a lot of students had to leave for the coronavirus, but um, my room for the year was me, this girl from uh, Georgia named Lizzie, and then a girl from Palestine named Lila. 
and we represent like the three religions, which is cool. Um, the, uh, Lizzie from Georgia is Eastern Orthodox Christian, and then Lila is Muslim. And something that I didn't really anticipate that ended up being an issue in our room was religion. Like I thought it was going to be like a something that brought us together, and generally it was not. Um, I think to to all of us, religion is something that we're really sensitive about, and something that we're like feel we each feel very connected to our own religion and. And anyways, like religion is some, it's a hard thing to talk about, um, even among people of the same religion. And so we ended up getting in a lot of arguments. <laughs> and like, you know, a lot of arguments. And over the course of the year, our argument, like our arguments about religion shifted to discussions about religion. And that's something that I think is just, I've never seen anywhere except the school, is that like this contrast of like having a, like a debate and an argument versus having a discussion. And it's also something that I've learned that like in a discussion, there's not a winner, you know? And like, we shouldn't be having arguments about things like religion and narrative because that's not like productive and and that's something that like had i not been in that room i wouldn't have got that that like seeing that like happen like that was a change that happened in me you know like before i before i came i was definitely not the kind of person to have a discussion i was definitely the kind of person that would entertain the other person's opinion just so I could decide what I was going to say next, which... Mohammed, I'm sure you want to relate to that. Yes, like, uh, <laughs> I can really relate to what Ismira is saying. Um, I can also, like, my answer would be, like, also related because one of the things that really I gained here, like, so far in just eight months is just, you know, having the discussions. It doesn't matter if it's about politics, religions, uh, I don't know, just life um i would say uh figures i don't know um and i i remember one of the conversation that made me realize that i never i never had this type of conversation in my life which was about politics and which involved religions and it was with my with my friends that i never had before with a jewish friend um and i think overall with all the <laughs> uncounted conversation that I had here in the school with my friends is that we learned, like I learned how we should listen to the other person that we're talking to just to understand them and respect them, not to just wait for, for us to, re to just respond to them. So like we listen to listen, not just to respond. And I think this is something is really missing in all over the world and a lot of people don't have it. And it's like, even like a small things that people would think about. But I think me and this age, um, knowing and acknowledge that I have the skill of listening and not just responding, I think it's something I would carry on for the rest of my life. Um, and yeah, that's Great. really short way of, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mira and Mohammed. Don't go away. I'm sure people will have questions for you. But I want to introduce Christina. Um, and Christina, um, you know, you, you will want to hear Christina for as long as you have uh, hours in the day. But um, I know we have a short meeting. So um, it's like almost uh, mean to ask Christina to tell her life story in a minute or two. But I'll start with that. And Christina is now actually a graduate of DHIS and she's still in Israel. But Christina, before we talk about DHIS, can you tell us really in one or two minutes about um, short, in short, where you came from? Um, hello, everyone. I am Christina Philip Batista. I am almost 19 in a few days. Um, and I come from South Sudan. So um, I really, you know, 
in my life I moved a lot of places um not because I was sort of like exploring the world and you know my parents wanted to um be in each and every country but because I come from a refugee background um so for the rest of my life I I was like almost for the rest of my life um I've been a refugee and that's why um that's why like I never settled in one place I was born in Lebanon um and then later on moved to Egypt and then from Egypt uh we moved to Israel um you know our journey to um Israel wasn't really sort of you know a really sort of normal typical journey to any other country we had to uh, walk through all the Sinai desert to um to Israel and that's i think that's one thing that i remember um and no one never forget um my life in Israel was simply so so simple it was was nice and i felt welcomed um uh, in the in the jewish community here um i lived in arad and i went to jewish school i had jewish friends um and it was sort of like you know it was for the first time in my life that i felt like you know um that i belonged to this place that this is here so i what actually when i came to israel i was 6 years old um and then i started school and then you know sort of i adopted the life here i felt like i'm, I'm part of this community I learned the language and um you know I was like one time I told my mom that this is my home forever I'm never going anywhere else um and then unfortunately when uh, my country South Sudan got independent um in 2012 we were compelled to go to South Sudan um and it was sort of automatically that you know now that your country got uh, independence from Sudan now it's like you're not under threat anymore and you can it's safe for you to go back for me it was actually the first time going to south sudan um but for my parents it was like you know they're going back to the to see their families and to see people they've missed and they didn't see for so long um so we eventually went to um south sudan um in 2012 like in late 2012 and then um life there was so difficult for me i just i found it so hard to um to adapt the new life and it was sort of you know you're going from this place to that place and everything was so hard and it, it became even harder when the civil war um sort of you know started in in 2013 and again you know i i felt that my our lives were in danger but at that time i felt like we had nowhere to go anywhere and just you know uh we would die at that same moment and you know we have experienced a lot of horrible things and unpleasant things um during the war um but good enough i was then rescued by an ngo me and my siblings my other siblings were rescued um by an israeli ngo that at that time was working to rescue um south sudanese kids who were deported um they rescued us to um they rescued us and then we fled to Uganda um in Uganda i was uh, since then i was like in Uganda i was there i went i was in a boarding school and that's that's when you know the opportunity of after some time the opportunity of joining Jubat Khabiba came to me and i didn't hesitate to take it um because i was sort of I was actually looking for this type of school something that's going to teach me about you know about being a leader um and you know actually in my life I sort of change it I always change what I really you know want to be when I was really really young I I thought of being a police woman and then I thought of being a singer um but then after like experiencing this war and then uh fleeing to um again that was like you know for the first time seeing what my parents were like running away uh for almost like you know for all these years because as a kid they never told us they never told us like you know uh we're running away from here because there are conflicts and people don't want us and this like that and this but when i experienced the civil war that's when i really understood and then that's when i decided after fleeing and you know uh joining uh boarding school in Uganda I I decided that I wanted to be a leader and someone that is going to change the situation in South Sudan. 
So when the opportunity came of joining Givat Khabiva, I, you know, I accepted and I, you know, I applied, I went through some interviews and then um, I got accepted. And that's how I ended up in Givat Khabiva. And before I allow uh, our dear guests to ask you questions, or actually we are the guests, but to ask you all questions, Christina, can you talk like shortly about your experience in the last two years? And uh, uh, I can tell you all that Christina came to GHIS. She was very, very quiet. I didn't hear her voice for like four months. And um, uh, since she did start sharing her life story and her thoughts, um, I thanked her for doing that and I don't want to stop listening to her. So, um, um, a little so bit about yeah. your experience. Yeah, so um, before coming actually to, to give out Chavive, I had this expectation that I was like, you're not going to do well. You're going to study with like, you know, students from all over the world. and your English is not good enough. Um, you're um, you're coming with really so like I mean, limited knowledge, and you're all what you know about is you know only this part of Africa where you come from, um, and it was just it, and it was true. You know, I came here and uh, it, I, f I found it really difficult um, actually in the IB uh, because there were things that were like you know obvious to other students that they learned in, in their previous schools and I actually it was actually for me it was the first time hearing about them so in, in terms of academic I found it really hard but I this is something that I sort of slowly by slowly uh, managed and um, eventually was able to succeed um, but there were also this side of me that I was like, you're not going to do well because you're, you're a girl and you know, the community where I come from, it's just that it's, it's so, you know, it's not something normal for girls to sort of reach this, uh, level, um, in education. And most of them drop out of school, um, in very early stages back in South Sudan. Like, you know, when I first, uh, in 2001, we just, you know, went to South Sudan um i just you know i told you that i i found it hard to adapt to life there and there were like so many new new things that i it was my first time seeing and one of them was actually you know seeing girls getting married like at a very very young age um around 12 and 13 um at times 11 stuff like this um so girls don't go to school they actually they just go to school for some time and then they drop drop out of school and then boys continue and at the time i i reached south sudan i was 11 years old um almost 12 and i i, I remember asking my dad one one time whether i was going to continue in life or whether i was going to get married and stuff like this uh, but my dad was like never think about it and one thing that really helped me it was because my parents actually moved countries and they sort of like adopted like um you know the western culture and stuff like this and they didn't think the same way other people thought in south sudan um so you know coming to give i came with this feeling that i was not going to do well as a girl um and that's why i was like so shy and i didn't, I didn't want to talk at first and it was just hard for me to put up my hands to to say my thoughts and stuff like this. But I eventually came out of this, you know, um, this fear of not speaking. And the first time I spoke, I felt like I don't want to stop anymore. I felt like I want to just say whatever I want to say, my my views and my perspectives on, on certain issues. Um, and this is something that I, I think I will be grateful for because in my previous schools, like back in Uganda, uh, it was like, it was um, a taboo to speak back to your teacher, to tell your teacher what you think, what you feel. Um, and it was, you know, it was just sitting in a class and then the teacher tells you to do this and that. And you do that exactly as the teacher said. Um, and you don't say anything. You don't reply back. You don't speak back to your teachers and stuff like this. But when I came to Givat Khabibah, it was like, you know, you can speak back to your teacher. It was something really, you know, new for me. And you can, you can, you can shout and even like in a global politics class, you can say your perspectives and stuff. So Givat Khabibah gave me this, you know, safe platform, this environment that I can really, you know, that I develop my confidence. And I feel like um, now I just, I want to talk to everyone and I'm really, really grateful. As we are to have you 
and the three of you, which are wonderful. And um, I will say, I know we don't have a lot of time, and um, Rabbi Knopf promised me that we will have more opportunities, but uh, we do have time for maybe one or two questions. So if any one of you wants to ask all of them or one of them, um, so you can either ask or uh, Rita. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, with everything that is going on in our community, our country, our world right now, in particular, uh, we can all <laughs> use some hope. So I'd be interested for each of the students um, and the one who's an alum. What makes you hopeful from your experience? So each one of you gets 15 seconds to answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's start with, let's go by um, 11th grade first. Mira, Muhammad, Christina, what makes you hopeful? I think seeing people like change their views, like like seeing people like go through a transformation of like like their like maybe not even changing views, but like developing an understanding for someone else is a really like inspiring thing to see. And I so that's probably that's my short answer. That that, that that's what makes me hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I would say this is really hard question, but I think um, yes, uh, I can say also like um, not changing people's views, but also like humans, because I think um, people are all different, and I think um, having the chance to even just you know make a small difference in like anyone like in any human life is something um, make me hopeful. And besides what Mira said, because, um, yeah, it's something um, let us aim for the future. And, Great. Yeah. Christina, what makes you hopeful? What makes me hopeful? Um, you know, for me, it's just, um, I don't think, I guess I don't think I've been hopeful for so long. Um, for me, my principle was just to work hard and you work determined and this is something that really led me to like really um high places um because i just you know after all the things i went through in life i just feel like there is nothing to be hopeful for like i mean there is i just feel like there are a lot of things happening and whenever you feel like especially back in my community i feel like you know whenever things are becoming okay um again something happens and there's like a conflict somewhere and people are again fighting and i sort of lost hope in so uh, many things but i just i work with determination and i just you know i just tell this to myself i'm like what you care about and what you really want to do uh, in life whether there is like you know there is hope whether things will be okay or not you just work hard for it and determine and you will just achieve it Okay, so thank you. And Tess asked another question. She, she said, okay, Christina, you said it's a safe platform and Muhammad nodded your head. So can you, again, in one minute, in one minute, the three of you say, in what way do you feel this is a safe platform or a safe community? Um, let's do the same order. M Mira. Safe community, that's like, really a big idea <laughs> um in what way is it a safe community like okay i'll give you an example so we have a lot of these like open conflict resolution discussions and i think like being able to and, and during these discussions we make it a priority that like everyone only like talks like only one person talks at a time and you're not allowed to respond to what someone else said. So you just get to like say how you feel. And I think that makes it a safe community that like we have forums where that are that are just designed to be like a circle of like okay it's stupid to say like a circle of trust but like really designed to be like 
a circle of trust and confidentiality. And we make it like a priority to have those kind of things. So that's um, what I would say. Great. Mm -hmm. Mohammed, I think uh, you got it on point. I would add to that that um, I would say it's a safe community and safe environment. Um, <laughs> one small thing that make it for me uh, comfortable and safe is that I get to not feel shy or shame or not comfortable to share my opinions about anything. Like I'm like I never hesitate to to share my my opinions or anything, which is something I I did not had before. I like back to my back home, and this is something that like what make it to me like safe environment. So yeah. Christina. Um. Yes. So um, what makes it a safe zone? I mean, the first thing is that you're, you know, everyone accepts everyone, you know, uh, whether you're coming from that side of, you know, of, I don't know, from, for me, it was just like, that's the thing. When I came, um, I was like, are they going to be my friends? Are they even going to talk to me? Are they going to do this and that? And then eventually when I came, like everyone was like, you know, hey, how are you? We want to know about you, we want to know your name. And it's just like, you know, they, they accept each other and um they're like we don't you know we have so uh, students from so many countries um that are right now in conflict but at, you know at first it was like um at first it was so strange for them but eventually they accepted each other and this is something that really you know this this makes it so safe that um that you feel like even uh if my country is, is in conflict with your country but we still like you know we accept each other and we are willing to sit down in a in a room and discuss about issues. Um, I would I would add add something that, yeah, we like we all here accept each other. But I would say to some extent we all like we the first like thing comes before expect, uh, accepting is respecting, and I think that's something really make this um, communities valuable. Like we respect. And you might, for example, if someone share opinions and you don't agree with it and you don't accept it, but you still respect it. And I think like feeling respected in a place is something make you comfortable. And I think that's enough to have a really safe environment. So, yeah. Um, so uh, I think before we will be kicked out of the call, we, <laughs> we will uh, do it in a polite manner. And um, I will just, in two, one minute say i actually didn't present that we have 108 students now we are a school of two years a boarding school english speaking as you understood 11th and 12th grade the two last year of high school and we have 108 students of them 25 percent are jewish from israel 25 percent are arabs from israel and palestine and the rest, the 50 uh, per other percent are from anywhere around the world. And um, the, the students mentioned that we have many countries. So we have students representing 22 different countries. And, you know, we would love to stay in touch with you. And if it's okay, I, uh, should I write my email here on, in the chat? Or I can send Rabbi something and you will send it. And whoever wants to be in touch with us and be on, once in a while we send a nice message of something one of our students wrote or um, Rabbi and Michael and Adira get me uh, once in a while a, a message of something nice that happened in the community. So if you want to stay connected, we will be very happy to do that. Um, so I, I, I wanna say a couple of things before, um, before you and, and the students leave. Um, first of all, uh, thank you so much, uh, Nurit and Mira and Mohammed and Christina. Uh, it is uh, it, it, it's such a joy to be with you and to hear from you. Uh, this morning, and you know, we're, we're reading uh, Parashat Naso, the the section from the Torah that uh, that's called Naso, which which means to lift up, to raise up, um, and uh, and and you have uh, lifted and raised us all up uh, this Shabbat with your uh, with your stories and with your um, uh, with your uh, with your insights about uh, what you've learned uh, and what you've experienced uh, through your time at, at GHIS. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, and the other aspect of Nassau um, is that we uh, are uh, introduced to the uh, Nisi'im, 
the, the princes uh, of the tribes, uh, each of whom uh, give their gifts uh, to ensure um, that uh, the, the sanctuary, the, the Mishkan, um, is able to, uh, to, to operate properly. Uh, and they give generously and they give beautifully. Uh, and, uh, and so I want to encourage you, um, though this is Shabbat, um, that uh, we can embody the spirit of the Nasi'im uh, in, uh, in, in how we uh, give of the heart and give generously uh, to uh, those causes that re- reflect and brings God, bring God's presence into the world. Um, places, institutions like Givat Aviva, uh, International School, uh, uh, really, I think are are deserving of our uh, of our support and and our attention. Um, and so, um, uh, how about after Shabbat Nurit, I'll um, uh, uh, send your uh, uh, information and information about how to support GHIS to the congregation, um, and that way uh, people can uh, uh, know ways of, uh, of of getting themselves involved and at least staying updated uh, and and hopefully. Uh, uh, finding it in their hearts to, uh, to, to support uh, this extraordinary school. Thank you very much. We will really appreciate it, um, especially at times like this. You know, COVID doesn't make it easier, and we do want to make sure that um, we can support more Mira's, Muhammad's, and Christina's in the school. So thank you very much. Welcome. And one, one final thing. So this is a Parsha of Brachot. This is a Parsha of blessings. Um, and so I want to uh, offer a blessing now. Uh, since, uh, since Christina, you just graduated high school, we're joined this morning by uh, several other members of our congregation who are, uh, who are either just about to or just have graduated from high school. We have uh, Cortland Dranoff and Sam Krieg and Rebecca Fallick along with us. Um, and they came this morning to receive a blessing uh, for graduating high school. So I'd love to include you, Christina, in that blessing if you're willing. Uh, and uh, and then I also want to say, Mira Muhammad, when you uh, come to the point of graduating from GHIS, join us again so we can bless you too. Um, but it's just such a blessing to have you with us. And Mira, uh, Mohammed and Christina, you're of course welcome to come visit us anytime. But Mira, you're a neighbor, so after uh, the pandemic is over, uh, uh, hopefully that we'll uh, we'll get to meet you in person. Um, so for all of our uh, wonderful graduates who are with us this morning, I want to offer a bracha to you. Misha Amar Avinu Lechlecha, Umisha Tzival Anav, Lemor Yeshurun, Vahalachta Bidracha, Umisha Lachash Ahuvato, Kumilach Rayatiu Lechilach. May the one who told our ancestor to go forth, the one who commanded the humble one to tell Yeshurun, walk in God's paths, the one who whispered to the lover, rise up, my beloved, and come away. Yivarech etchem b'derech ba telchu v'yu imachem b'chol tzadim bam telchu v'ragaim asher acharitam smuya min ha'ayin Amen. May God bless you. Rebecca, Cortland, Sam, and Christina in all your journeys and be with you in every step you take in the times when consequences are hidden from your eyes and in those moments when the path is clear. May you remain true to God throughout that wherever you go, you may find success. May God protect you from all trouble and distress. May you journey in peace and may you arrive at your heart's fulfillment in peace. So may it be God's will and let us say amen. I know that this is uh, not necessarily the senior year or the graduation experience that you all uh, envisioned, uh, but, uh, but, but uh, sometimes these uh, moments of challenge um, uh, can be our, our greatest teachers if we uh, allow them to be. Um, and so we pray that uh, the, the insights uh, and the growth that you have had uh, throughout your high school journey, and uh, in, especially in this very unusual uh, senior year that you've uh, experienced, uh, may it be a teacher for you, uh, and uh, may uh, may all your learning lead to wisdom, may all your labors lead to success, may all your knowledge lead you to kindness, 
May the path before you lead to blessings. May your studies never cease. And may all your prayers be answered. And let us say, Amen. Cantor, can you sing, uh, lead us in Simen Tov and Mazel Tov for our graduates? Yes. Um, and Ben Doniger as well is also one of our graduates on the call. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, ben. I'm sorry. I didn't see Ben. I think his name might I'm not be. <laughs> uh, I got it. Okay. Sorry, Ben. I didn't see you, but uh, the Mazel Tov to you, Ben, uh, who is uh, graduating high school and going to the Naval Academy, uh, God willing, beginning the summer. Mazel Tov, Ben. Please, my forgiveness. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. May you all go from strength to strength. And uh, thank you once again to our uh, special guests from GHIS. This has been Socially Distant, Spiritually Close with Rabbi Michael Knopf. I hope that this episode has helped you find a little faith and hope, enrichment and uplift during this complex and challenging time. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. Please also rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that others will have an easier time finding us and joining in the conversation. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is recorded during virtual gatherings of my congregation, Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is produced by Dr. Gillian Frank. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Our cover art was designed by Judith Russian using a photograph by Miriam Aniel. I have been your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.